Hey, real quick, our security team came up and told me that there was a white Jeep Cherokee, a limited edition outside that was actually the doors are locked, but it's still running. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if that's you. If it is, then your vehicle running, yo. But uh, maybe you want it that way. That's fine. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, there she is. Everybody look. No, I'm just messing. I'm messing. I'm messing. We love you, sweetie. We love you. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't it good to be in God's house today? Yes, sir. So good to see you guys. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Nope, Not Today, Satan. Come on. And so we're going to be in this series for several weeks. As you guys know, we started off January 2020 by saying, man, this is the year of the Bible. This is the year that you find that sweet spot in God. You know, David said it's the secret place. You find that spot in God. You go after God. And so we started off this year talking about hearing God's voice. How do I know it's God? Is it God? Is it me? Is it the devil? Is it too much pizza, burritos? What is it? And so we started off talking about that. And anytime you begin to go after God, anytime you open your heart up and say, God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you've got to say to me. You have to realize that in that moment, the enemy is going to rise up against you and try to cut the legs out from under you. He's going to try to attack you and cause you to fall and fail. And so that is the reason why we're kicking off this brand new series today. And I, hey, we even got the Nope shirts ready for you. Nope, not today, Satan. We have these shirts available right outside out there at the VIP center. Stop by, pick some of these shirts up. I think they're eight or nine dollars or something like that. But anyway, grab you a shirt and listen, man, this is a great advertising tool. This is a great way for you to go and invite someone to church. And because what does it do? It creates curiosity. It creates curiosity. But here's what I want you to understand. And I want you to hear me big on this. It's not just a slogan. It's not just a saying. It's not just something that you have written on a t-shirt. It is a declaration that you are making, that you are standing up with the power of God in you saying, you know what? Not today, Satan. You're not going to win. You're not going to trip me up. You're not going to cause me to fall. I'm going to be victorious. And so that's what we're talking about. And really, one of the things that people ask is, man, why are you doing a series talking about the devil? You know, that's a fair question to ask. Why, why are we spending several weeks talking about the devil? But here's what I want you to hear. This is not a glorifying the devil teaching series. That's not what it is. But you have to understand that we are in a fight. We're in a war. We're in a battle. And we need to know everything we can about the enemy that is trying to destroy us. And I know for some, this may be a little bit of a shift in your perspective. But I want you to hear me today. The Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. It's a battleground, not a playground. And so basically, you are in the army of Christ. If you have accepted into your heart, you're in the army of Christ. Second Timothy chapter 2 says we're soldiers in this army. We're soldiers for Jesus Christ. So many of our men and women serve our military faithful. Come on, can we give it up for all of our military personnel in the house? And we thank them and we appreciate them for their service and sacrifice and all that. But here's what you need to understand. You're in the army as well. You're in an army. It's God's army. We're soldiers and this is war. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 13 kind of describes it for us. It says, finally, what's those two words? Be strong. Turn to somebody and say, you got to be strong, yo. Just like that. Just like that. So be strong 
And these are two words that you see all throughout scriptures. You see those words, be strong. You also see words like take courage, be of good cheer. You see this a lot in the Bible. Why? Because we're in a fight. We're in a fight. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. How many of you know you got to dress for the battle? You got to dress for the battle so that you can take your stand against. Here's what I want you to see here. The devil's schemes. The devil's schemes. The devil right now is at the drawing board trying to come up with a way to trip you up, to mess you up, to destroy your life. And honestly, guys, I believe that the devil is working harder to destroy us than we are trying to keep that from happening. So the devil's got some schemes. And so it goes on and it says, our struggle, who's, who are we fighting against? We're not fighting against flesh and blood. In other words, you're not fighting against your neighbor nor his or her dog. You understand? You're not fighting against your spouse. You're not fighting against your boss. You're not fighting against your mother-in-law. Okay, that's not who you're fighting against. It's not against flesh and blood. But who are we fighting against the rulers and the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As if to say there is another realm other than the one we're experiencing right now. And by the way, there is. And honestly, for some of you, you sense it. You sense it. You, you, you know because there's sometimes that there's things that happens in your life and you just can't explain it. And the longer you live, the more you realize it's not random. It happens at certain times. It happens at opportune times, the scripture says. And you're looking at it and you're saying, man, there's no way this could be a coincidence. And you're absolutely right. There's another realm operating that you cannot see. And it's, and it's operating right now. So therefore, because of all of that, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. And so I just wanted to tell you, it's coming and some of you are like, man, pastor, grand opening. Can't you be more positive? Yes, I'm positive. It's coming. It's coming. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And guys, that's the end goal right there. We want you to stand in the fight that you're fighting. We want you to come out of this thing victorious, not defeated. We want you to be victorious, not defeated. So how do we do that? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But on the other hand, what do we got to do? Expose them. Expose them. And so that's what we're going to be doing in this series. We're going to expose the devil for who he is. And, and guys, I got to be honest with you. I think, personally, the greatest trick of the devil that he has ever pulled off is convincing so many people he's not real. I think that's one of his greatest tricks. So with that being said, let me give you three things real quick today because I know you've got inflatables on your brain and Olaf on your brain. So let me get three things at you real quick today. Three facts that you need to know about the devil, about Satan. Here's the first thing. Number one, the devil is real. And you have to realize that. He's real. He's not a symbol of evil. He's not a metaphor. It's not some nasty little dude running around with a red jumpsuit and a pitchfork. That's, that's not him. He's not some cosmic force. He's actually an angel. He's a fallen angel, actually. And the Bible actually names three angels in Scripture. There's one named Gabriel. There's one named Michael. And there's one named Lucifer, who is 
Satan, who is the devil. Lucifer was the worship angel. And at one time, they all three resided in heaven. But there was this event that took place. And we don't know exactly when it happened. But we we know it happened before you and I showed up. It happened before the Bible stories showed up. But there was an event that took place where Satan was actually cast out of heaven. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. Read that when you get home this week. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. The Bible records a time where where Satan, who was the worship leader, said, Hey, God, all this worship around here, I want it for myself. And God was like, no, that's not going to happen. And so there was a time where God cast Satan out. And Jesus was there. Jesus saw it. He saw the whole thing because he said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he said, I saw Satan like lightning fall out of heaven. Like right then. So you understand it it wasn't like this big power struggle between God and the devil and God just barely pinned him to the mat. No, Jesus said when God stood up off the throne, it was like lightning. It was like boom, millisecond, it's over, roll the cast, and it was over. It was just that quick. Revelation also records it again in Revelations 12, 7 through 9. It says, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But here's the phrase I want you to get in your spirit today. But he was not strong enough. He was not strong enough. The devil will come to you and lie to you and try to convince you that he is stronger than you are. But he is not strong enough. And it says, and they, there's a key word there, they... A third of the angels went with Satan foolishly, and they lost their place in heaven. And that great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. And here's where he was thrown to. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And that's what you need to know, because the Bible says that's where he's operating right now. John 12, 31 says he's the ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says he's the God of this age. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says he's the prince and the power of the air. These are just a few verses that kind of let you know that dynamic that's happening right now. So when it comes to the enemy, the first thing you have to realize is he's real. Here's the second thing. The devil's at war with us. He's at war with us. He's strategically scheming and devising a way to destroy you. And you say, well, Pastor, I, you know, I don't believe all of that. And that's fine, but it doesn't make it go away. <laughs> One of the greatest gifts that I can give you today is the awareness of this. And that's why 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says this. Be alert. Be alert and sober mind. Like, like pay attention, boy. You know, my daddy used to tell me that. He had me and he was, he had those teachable moments. Come on, you ever had a teachable moment? And he'd look at me and he'd say, boy, pay attention. And so it's kind of like this is what he's saying. Hey, be alert. Keep your head on a swivel. Watch what's going on. Why? Because you've got an enemy who is the devil prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's a roaring lion. Isn't it funny how the devil is compared to an animal from the cat family? Not the dog family. Not the guinea pig family. But the cat family. And for all you cat lovers, maybe you'll catch this. Just saying. He's roaring like a lion. But what does it say? Resist him. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Here's another passage in John chapter 10 verse 10. It says, The thief 
comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so again, we see Satan is a destructive force who has evil intentions. But with all of that, let me give you some great news. And here's the good news. The devil is always subject to our God. He's always subject to our God. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, you ain't so great and I ain't so great, but the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. And he gives us the power and the authority to be able to look at your enemy and say, Nope, not today, Satan. It's not going to happen. And that's what you have to understand. So again, the devil's real. He's at war with us. Here's the third thing. This is shouting moment right here. The devil is defeated. He's defeated. It's over. The good news is that the devil's future has already been written. In John 12, 31, John 16, 11, Jesus says Satan's judgment is coming and it is certain. Revelation talks about that final defeat of Satan. Revelation 20, 10 says, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is a time to celebrate. Can I get a good amen? amen? But here's the problem. The enemy knows he's defeated. He knows what the future holds for him. And so he's going to do everything he can to try to take as many people with him as he can. And so he has weapons. The devil has weapons that he uses. But here's the good news. He only has three of them. And where do you find them out? 1 John chapter 2, 16 and 17. For all that is in the world. Here they are. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So here's the three weapons that the enemy has. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You could also say it like this. Pleasure, possessions, position. Pleasure, possessions, position. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at each one of these weapons to try to help us to realize that we do have authority and we do have power in Jesus Christ to be able to overcome these weapons. But he uses these weapons. He used them even in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable, one translation says, for becoming like God, knowing good and evil, she took some of it and ate it. So what do you see here? You see the enemy working. Three weapons he has. He says it's good for food. What is that? That's pleasure. He said, it's pleasing to your eye. I see it. I want it. That's possession. And then he says, hey, you can become like God. That's position. Pleasure, possession, position. Fast forward several thousand years. Jesus is in the desert right before he begins his ministry. And he's praying and he's fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. How many of you know my brother was hungry? And so Satan comes to him. And the first thing he said, he says, hey, bud, I know you're hungry. How about let's kick back and have a buffet? Turn these stones into bread. I've got a slab of butter right here. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. What is that? Gratify yourself. That's pleasure. Then he carries him up and he shows him Jerusalem, the nations of the world, and says, hey, I'll give you all of this if you want it. What is that? That's possessions. 
Then he takes him to the highest pinnacle and he says, hey, jump on off here. Man, the angels have come. They, they won't let you hit your feet. What is that? You're important. That's position. Pleasure, possession, position. So what was Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10? He says, get out of here, Satan. Nope, not today. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In that moment, Jesus had the choice to make. It was God or Satan. It was the word or it was the world. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to resist the enemy, to stand firm and say, nope, not today. I'm not bowing down to you. I am a child of God. You and I have the same Holy Spirit available to us today. The Bible says the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you and dwells inside of me if we have accepted him into our heart and into our life. So therefore, we have the strength to be able to stand in the face of the enemy and stand in the face of the attacks and say, nope, it's not going to happen. But unfortunately, so many people are falling every day. Falling for the traps, falling for the schemes, falling for these same three weapons and it's, it would kind of be like this, guys. If I was sitting at my house and my family was there, the kids were there, Missy was there, and we're sitting there, and somebody breaks into my house, okay? They break into my house and they're going after my family. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do, okay? I'm not going to say, Missy, uh, baby, I really need you to get up and take care of this. I got to pray, girl. Somebody got to pray. I'm not going to do that. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to jump out of the bed, boxers and all, and I am going to be immediately transformed into a Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jason Bourne, Rambo-like figure, and a broomstick handle. I will become a jiu-jitsu ninja on you, and you can kill me, but I'm like a bad dream. I'm going to keep coming back and back and back. Why? Because not today, Satan. You're not going to get my family. You're not going to get my kids. You're not going to get my finances. You're not going to get my health. Nope, not today. I'm going to be victorious. See, if you think about it, there's really only two sources available. There's the world system and there's God's system. There's the culture or there's Christ. There's the world or there's the word. And every day we have a choice to make. But here's the problem. The problem is oftentimes we kind of go back to the world. We go back to culture. The default is always that. Why? Because that's why we, we were born with a sin nature and our nature is being fed constantly. Let me, let me kind of tell you what I mean by that. Right now, the average child spends about 15 hours a week on a video game. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But if you do the math over one year time period, that's 780 hours of that child's life. The average person watches about 35 hours of TV a week. Some of y'all a little bit more. Days of our lives stuff. But anyway, if you do the math over one year... That's 1,820 hours of your life. 1,820 hours, 780 hours. If you come to church every single Sunday and you hit a bridge croup on top of that, you're only going to spend about 300 hours in a year's time. 780, 1,820, 300. Which source has the potential for the highest influence in your life? 
So the question you have to ask yourself is what values am I placing on TV? What values am I placing on video games? What value am I placing on his house, his word, and going after him? Nothing wrong with TV, nothing wrong with video games, but what are your values? Where are they at? Because you're going to have to choose every day. Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be the culture? Is it going to be the world system or is it going to be God's system? Because every single day, Satan will put you in a position to choose over and over and over again. And here's the good news. He's not creative at all. He's, not, he's got three weapons and he's been using them since the beginning of time. But here's the bad news. He doesn't have to be creative because we keep falling over and over and over again. So how can I get out of this? Well, I think we have to make three commitments. And so throughout this series, I want you to make three commitments. I want you to apply them to your life and where you are every single day. Here's the first commitment. Commitment number one, you have to commit to seek the truth. You got to seek the truth. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. You understand, when you seek God with all your heart, you find Him, the Scripture says. When you seek the truth, you find the truth. But I need to warn you against something. When you seek after God, because that's where your truth is, when you seek after His Word and you seek after Him, you make that commitment, it's going to go against everything that the world says. It's not always going to be popular. It will oftentimes contradict what you're trying to do. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's disturbing. Sometimes temptation is is, is one of those things. When we go after the truth, there's this temptation to avoid it. You're kind of like your kids and trash in the floor. Am I the only parent dealing with that? Thank you for being honest. I walk into my kids' room. There's a a piece of paper on the floor. I say, hey, guys. About let's get this up. All right, we'll get it. All right. I walk back in there three days later. The paper is still on the floor. Guys, we're going to get the paper. Yeah, we're going to get it. All right. I said, look, vacuum your room. They will literally vacuum around the piece of paper. They avoid it like the plague. And this is what most people do when it comes to seeking the truth. We want to avoid it. Because how many of you know it's not fun to take an honest look at your failures and your fears and your hang-ups and kind of see where you are. But I want you to hear me today. I want you to lean in. The only path you can follow that will lead you to emotional health, that will lead you into a right standing with God and a bright future that God has for you, is for you to seek the truth. To seek the truth. You've got to make a commitment in your life from this day forward I'm going to seek the truth. But here's the second commitment you have to make. Number two, not only do you have to seek the truth, you have to believe the truth. You have to believe the truth. So that means that you have to seek the truth, but until you genuinely believe the truth, then you're not going to begin the actions that move your lives past the lies that the enemy will tell you. And you understand that Satan is a liar. The Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar and the father of lies. So in other words, the only time Satan is not lying to you is when his mouth is closed. Come on, do you know somebody? Don't point at him. But anyway, <laughs> Satan will come to you as a deceiver and he will attack you in your mind with lies. Can I just be real with you? Some of you right now, you're, you're in that battle. 
The enemy has come to you and he said, you're no good. You're worthless. You're not going to make it. You're not going to overcome this. You're never going to be this. You're never going to be that. And there's the attack of the enemy in your mind. And there's all of these lies that are going here. But that's why Romans chapter 12 verse 2. The apostle Paul says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me give you an assignment. I'm going to give you some homework for this week. Here's your challenge. Open up the Bible. It's in the New Testament. For some of you, this may be new to you. Open up the New Testament and you go to the book of Ephesians. Okay? Look at the book of Ephesians. I want you to read the first two chapters of Ephesians. And I want you to highlight and underline everything that God says about you for two chapters. You know what you're going to find? You're going to see words like blessed, favored, sealed with the Holy Spirit, a conqueror. You're more than that. You're blessed. You're highly favored. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. You're sealed by the Spirit. There's an inheritance for you. You have been redeemed. You're going to see words like that over and over and over again. And so that's what you have to do. The enemy will come and lie to you and tell you everything that's wrong about you. But God will come in and say, no, that's not who you are. Nope, not today, Satan. You're blessed. You're favored. You're a conqueror. You're sealed. You're redeemed you have to read that and let that be what describes you why because you're seeking the truth and you're believing the truth I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf I'm talking about living a new life being transformed by the power of God but then here's the third commitment you have to make you have to commit to live the truth not only are you seeking it not only are you going to believe it But you have to commit to live it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, it says, We will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made that lie sound like the truth. Stop believing everything you hear. (laughs) Test it out. Check it out. You know? Well, it's on Facebook. It's got to be true. Really? What do we have to do? We will lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Jesus Christ. Paul has given us a word picture here of coming to the place in your life where you're not pulled and swayed by every clever lie that comes along, but you are believing the truth, you are living the truth, and you're going after the truth, and you're speaking the truth, and you're dealing with one another in a loving way, in a forgiving way, in a merciful way. And can I tell you something? That's what people are desperate for. They're desperate for someone who's genuine. They're desperate for someone who says, man, this person's got the truth. Because the scripture says that when you find the truth, it does something to you. It sets you free. It sets you free. And that requires you developing a worldview that's based in truth. How do I do that? I've got to seek it. I've got to believe it. And I've got to live it. And guys, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about that. Next week, we're going to start building a wall right here on the stage. We're going to build a wall. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be building that wall. And we're going to be talking about the lies of the enemy and the weapons that he uses. 
and how we can overcome them so that God can help us to be who he's called us to be. Stand with me all over the house.